Good morning. I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our LinkedIn side space through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the Spymaster Director of our Mystery Shopping Report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Earl, the recovering car dealer, and I'm sitting around with Rick and Stu and Nancy, and we're in the studio here at the True Oldie Station. And we're not going to sing to you this morning. We're going to talk about cars. We're going to talk about how not to get ripped off by your car dealer. And we welcome all you regular listeners that have been some of us uh, for 20 years. And uh, audience has grown, and we welcome all the newbies out there. We're here to help any way we can. <coughs> uh, we, uh, we call this a live radio talk show because that's exactly what it is. And uh, it's exciting. And... Uh, you can uh, call in from anywhere in the world. We're streaming. And that's something else that an old guy like me has to just slap himself in the face to see if I'm dreaming. I, I could be talking to Bali or Australia right now. And we're on Facebook and Twitter and Periscope and all that stuff. And uh, old-fashioned radio. You call us anytime at 877-960-9960. That's 877-960-9960. We prioritize you callers. The, I don't mean that you're old-fashioned, but it's kind of like an old-fashioned way of communication anymore. People are using texting, I think, more than they use a regular telephone. But uh, texting can't really cut it when it comes to the personal touch, and we love the personal touch. So we have, I think we have like four lines coming into the studio, and uh, that's the reason we jump on the phone calls first. Now, we love the text, and we love the YouTubes, and we love the... the uh, streaming or uh, Facebook or uh, Twitter or whatever you're going to do. We like them all. Uh, Rick Kearney on my right, he does, he monitors the YouTubes and Stu uh, monitors the anonymous feedbacks. I forgot to mention that and the text. So uh, it's like a, we're like a switchboard here with in, input from all over uh, in any sort of uh, venue, uh, wherever you may be, how you want to do it. And it's your comments and your criticisms <coughs> and your uh, suggestions and questions that make the show what it is. And we don't know what you're going to say, and that's what I love about it. It's, it's, it's exciting. Uh, we had anonymous feedback, by the way, that came in uh, after the show last week, and, and they, it was a constructive criticism. They're saying that we're wearing masks, and I'm wearing a mask, and we're all wearing masks. And, of course, a mask, a muffle, uh, your voice to some extent. And I hadn't uh, heard that uh, comment before. Um, I will try to articulate, and I will try to make myself understood, and we all will do that. But if you have a problem uh, uh, hearing us, understanding uh, our, our words, uh, let us know. Well, we wear the mask because we're ultra-cautious. Uh, you know, Nancy and I are seniors, and we're, we're cautious about that. Uh, we've actually had our vaccinations, but uh, we can also be asymptomatic and spread it. I'm just being cautious. So we, out of courtesy to each other, we have one, two, three, four, five of us 
in this rather small studio. And so we just think, hey, what the heck, let's be safe and watch out for each other. And that's what we're doing. And we will try to articulate uh, better. So I uh, say, but that doesn't mean I can't speak clear because I know sometimes I get excited I talk too fast and uh, you can't understand me. But I'll try to uh, be careful about that. Uh, let me uh, mention to the new folks uh, what we do. We're, kinda, we're not specialists. We all kind of do the same thing here, answer your questions. Rick Kearney, uh, his subspecialty is technical uh, mechanics. He calls himself a mechanic sometimes, but he's not a mechanic. Uh, he truly is a uh, uh, computer specialist. Uh, that's what cars are now, rolling computers. So when those lights start blinking on, that's a computer telling the light to come on. And the computer's connected to everything on the car, and uh, your, your brakes and your gas tank and your, your fuel, air, air pressure, fuel pressure, everything that happens in the car is connected to the computer. And the computer tells you uh, something's wrong or something's not wrong or everything's, uh, you know, whatever it wants to say. It's not as specific as we'd like it to be, but every year the cars get more and more specific. And pretty soon they're going to be maintenance-free. I mean, they're pretty much maintenance-free now. Uh, I'm a car dealer, so I shiver a little bit because I have a service department that depends on maintaining and repairing cars. And to be honest with you, uh, we talk about it because we are car dealers and we say, what's going to happen? when the cars get better and better and better and pretty soon you don't have to fix them anymore. You don't have to maintain them anymore. Rick? You're shivering. <laughs> what am I going to do when I got no job? <laughs> well, what am I going to do when I don't have a job because nobody buys a car. Everything will be ride sharing and yep. uh, uh, there'll be giant fleets of autonomous electric vehicles and what are we going to do with our dealership? A lot of car dealers think about that by the way. They don't talk about it publicly. Uh, but uh, it's, it's in the back of a lot of people's minds is uh, what's going to happen. We know everything's going to change in that direction, but we just don't know when. When's that other shoe going to drop? That's an interesting thing to talk about. If you'd like to talk about that or anything else, uh, please call the show. Um, Nancy Stewart on my left is my co-host, and she is also my spouse. And uh, she is uh, kind of a specialist in terms of being sure the women get their fair share of our chit chat and uh, she calls us sometimes an old boys club because she's a lone woman in a room with four men and she has to uphold the fact that half of our audience are ladies and half of them drive cars and they buy cars and they repair and maintain cars and they don't get their fair say all the time. Well she's here to see that that changes and she has a couple of thoughts that I will turn the mic over to Nancy. Uh, what's on your mind this morning? Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I'm Nancy Stewart, and I'm here to take your calls. And uh, John, who's been holding, uh, will be right with you. Uh, first, let me extend an invitation to uh, the female audience. If you are a new listener, uh, today and every Saturday morning, we give $50 to the first two new lady callers the first two new lady callers. Uh, so take advantage of that at 877-960-9960. And uh, you can also text us at 772-497-6530. And uh, if you have any questions, say, uh, hey, is, uh, is, your, is your car making a funny noise that it never made before? Uh, 
Give us a call. We'd love to answer your question and so many more. And don't forget www.youranonymousfeedback.com. Uh, we're going to go to John, who's a regular caller from Home City. Good morning, John. Good morning to everyone. I just want to touch what Nancy brought up last week briefly about the catalytic converters that are being stolen so fast and so quick, you really can't keep up with it. Um, I, I've been a victim, not of the catalytic converter, growing up in the jungles in New York City. I had two cars stolen, and they were stolen for the airbags and for the wheels and tires. Now it seems like electronic parts and the, uh, also the tires and wheels, very popular that they take them off one, two, three. But let me ask Rick a question. If a car comes into the dealership and it has the catalytic converter that was stolen, was cut off briefly, about what would that cost roughly, say it was a Camry, and naturally when they cut that off so quick with a tool, portable tool, the tailpipe is naturally probably cut and it's no longer usable, and probably the header pipe. What would be an approximate cost to replace that system that was stolen off your car? Hey, um, John, whenever I was uh, looking up that information, you know, I noticed that the price uh, of the converter, it varied uh, from vehicle to vehicle. And uh, the Ford, uh, well, it, <laughs> it's amazing how much it costs to re replace that one. But uh, I'll uh, give this call to Rick. He's the expert. Uh, the average car, you're looking at anywhere from probably eight or $900 to well over 2000 and some models of cars can be four or five thousand dollars depending upon the the car i guarantee you if it was something like a mercedes or something like that you'd be looking at several thousand dollars we turn parts and labor yep yeah yeah i was talking to jeff doss our parts manager and he said around two thousand dollars on the average for yeah, that wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. Rick, whenever I was, <clears throat> as I said, reading this information last week, I, I noticed that the uh, Dodge Ram, uh, it comes in at over three thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, why why is it so expensive from it's, one vehicle to another? It's the design of the part, and sometimes it's also uh, instead of just being a short little piece of pipe. It may be a six or seven foot long section of exhaust that has to be replaced. So obviously the part price is going to go way up. And depending on how much damage they did underneath, the labor may be increased or you may need other parts in addition to it. And it's you know, the cost to, of the metals, right? Yeah. yeah. Just, just as an <clears throat> FYI, uh, we have had no complaints. We've had nobody um, and uh, that has complained about um, the catalytic converters. And so... Uh, knock on wood in this area, apparently, uh, we're not having a problem. Now, I think it tends to follow, like, is it the price of precious metals? I remember way back when there was, like, platinum, like, went really high, and we had a series of vehicles that were broken into. Uh, they climbed under the car with a saber saw, cut the thing out from underneath the car, and we lost a ton. These are on Land Cruisers, I think, expensive right. cars. Yep. I think, too, you know, not only are they after the metal and to sell that, uh, but, uh, you know, so these things are like a... I, for lack of another word, like a fad, just like they used to take your wheels, they take, took your hubcaps back in the day and uh, all those other things that they could easily remove. Yeah, they resell the catalytic converters. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that actually led to a situation where uh, reputable salvage yards 
would not take catalytic converters unless you could prove where you got it and that you had legally obtained it. Yeah, unlike the woman in Orlando who said he's still sitting in jail uh, because uh, she had a monopoly on the converter and she, they, she was stockpiling them, of all places, in her home. <clears throat> and there was a raid. Yep. <clears throat> well, Rick just came up with the whole problem, how to solve it. When my two cars were stolen, they were found, stripped. And mm -hmm. the big item was the airbags. So here's what happened in those days. That was in the late 80s. The insurance company made a, a memo to all body shops and repair shops. We will not accept the insurance to replace the airbag unless we have a dealer, new car dealer order that the part was ordered through them and not aftermarket or net aid, no, the sources or reused uh, junkyard or anything. So basically, it slowed down, <clears throat> excuse me, almost 100% because yeah. the insistence of the insurance companies that they must have a dealer invoice for the replacement of the airbag. And if the shops were cut down now, the recycling shops, I know about five years ago, I had some excess aluminum. And I went to a junkyard, and they took, not only took my picture, it was aluminum cans, and it was aluminum cylinder head that I had for years, and I even had to sign a paper. So I was on record of who I was, and if the police would come around investigating any of these incidences, they would know who the person was. They had my license plate and everything. So <clears throat> this is a fault of these recycling centers that are accepting these catalytic converters. Correct. You know, I, again, I got to mention that story, you know, from Orlando. This woman stockpiling uh, these converters, you know, that was just amazing. But hey, supply and demand, precious metals. So there you go. John, thank you so much. Uh, have we, uh, do you have another question? Yes, be careful out there because, like in New York City now, uh, the increase in stolen cars is 70%. And uh, there's a lot of things that we could do to defer. Rick might have an answer to us of an aftermarket. Any particular company that he recommends, I stopped my stolen cars in New York City by an item that they had, which was like a cable, like an emergency cable. It had a lock on it, and it locked the hood, and it killed the ignition items. Would Rick have any recommendation of a good aftermarket uh, stop, you know, alarm system? Yeah, put a tracker device on your car. You, they're easily obtainable now on the internet. Uh, just those little um, tracker chips. Hide that in your car, and if somebody steals your car, you give that information to the police. They can yeah. track right to your car. He's looking for a recommended uh, brand. I'd say Lojack, uh, John. That's been around right. a long, Lojack, long time. Same thing. And it's uh, it's a tracker, like but it's uh, it's got a reputation, and they're reliable and priced fairly. Well, it, it's on the increase because I see. The Walmart that I go to, they never had security, and it started now during this, and it's in a good neighborhood to do it. They have security riding around the parking lot, and you see much more. Somebody told me I don't go down there anymore, but the Costco on North Lake Boulevard, people park on the western end, which is kind of quiet, and during the holiday times, they had some break-ins. These are places that were never a problem before, and it's going on now, but 
I'm very happy to see at the Walmart that the patrol is constantly going around. And like I say, they've never had security. It's opened that store about 15 years now, and it's the first, but it's a deterrent, especially people that would take these catalytic converters one, two, three, and zip them off. Yeah, I hadn't heard that, John. Maybe in your part of uh, the area, it's worse. And as I say, in this area here, uh, we've had zero reports, and uh, you know, we've got uh, something like 20,000 customers on the books that uh, we've sold uh, vehicles and service vehicles, and out of those 20,000, we haven't, haven't had a single one complain about a stolen converter. So I guess it goes from region to region. Yes, well, that's good news anyhow. Yeah. Be careful out there. And, and good news is, for the first time, I got my uh, vaccine. And oh. it's just like Congratulations. Shot. I had no symptoms whatsoever. Congratulations. It was done on Wednesday on Publix. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad to gear, get that because I'm two years older than Earl. I, and, I thought you were 65, John. <laughs> hey, John. Be careful. Thanks for the call. Okay. We'll Be talk careful, to you next guys. week. Okay, 877-960-9960. And uh, I think, Nancy, you had a couple of issues that... Uh, you thought would be interesting to the all the people but yeah. the ladies especially out there uh, you're talking about uh, insurance I think and uh, uh, the yeah, fact that uh, chances are you are probably paying too much but you just don't know it uh, this is true and that uh, you should you know take a look at your uh, insurance policy often uh, because the rates uh, you know change and they change according to you know whether your car is sitting in in the garage uh you know uh it, it's just worth looking into and there's uh, a few places that that you can go and uh, consumer report is uh, an amazing uh, avenue to explore uh, i have a little more information about uh, how crashes affect uh, women uh, but uh, I'll wait until later to mention that I want to um, John Jonathan I want to thank you for that great uh, backdrop I like that <laughs> happy Valentine's Day everybody what is the 217 Valentine Texas population 217 uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that might apply ladies and gentlemen 877-960-9960 or you can text us 772-497-6530 and don't forget ladies give me a call $50 for the first two new female callers and uh, share your experience as to whether you purchase a car whether you lease a car if uh, you want to share your experience uh, on service anything at all 877-960-9960 now back to the recovering car dealer uh, before we get to Stu and look at some uh, text and uh, anonymous feedbacks, etc., I, I want to mention that um, with the pandemic and a lot of people just not putting miles on the car, a lot of people self-quarantining, and some of them normally would put uh, 15, 20,000 miles a year on their car or putting three or 4,000 miles a year. There's some insurance companies out there that are offering you huge savings. Normally, you'd say, I'm not going to sign up for a policy that rewards me because I don't drive my car, but if you're not driving your car, you should take a look. Uh, call your insurance company and call some other insurance companies. Uh, if your driving mileage has dropped precipitously, which it probably has, it has for most people, uh, you can save yourself a ton of money on insurance by getting one of those uh, policy, uh, limited policies on mileage. 
and uh, something to take in consideration, even on a lease. Normally, I don't recommend going for low, low lease mileages uh, allowances because you have to pay a ton of money if you go over that amount. But uh, if you could get something that limits your mileage to 10,000 or 7,500 7, miles, uh, and normally you would be driving twice that, you can save a lot of money on a lease too. Rick, you had a point? Yeah, uh, folks, just remember one thing though. While your car is sitting, the battery is still getting used a little bit by the computers. And so it's a good idea just once a week, go out and drive your car around for about 30, 40 minutes just give it a little exercise and help charge that battery back up. Yeah, and okay. that can happen to anyone, ladies and gentlemen, because it happened to me. And uh, you, you just don't think about it. And because of Rick, I get my car out as often as I can to recharge everything. Yeah, we put a reminder on our Alexa at home that says, drive Nancy's car, because we tend to use my car. And when Nancy sits, so we get the same, Alexa says, drive Nancy's car. So we get in the car and take a drive. Sue, what, what do we got on the uh, backlog there for text and whatnot? Well, before I get to the text, I want to remind everybody to visit earlsvigilantes.com. Um, that's the website that we set up to help put people together and communities all around the country. Um, uh, people with experience who can help people who might be a little bit um, nervous about getting a new car. You get a, a hat. Store. You get a hat if you sign up, if you become a volunteer, if you become a vigilante. Um, the sites for both uh, people looking to buy a car who, who, who need some help and also for people who want to help. So if you want to sign up to volunteer, you, you go to earlsvigilantes.com, you click on volunteer, you sign up, you get a hat, then you're doing a good thing just like us. <laughs> and if you're looking for help and you're a little bit um, you know, nervous or hesitant or terrified to go into a car dealership, uh, go to <laughs> earlsvigilantes.com, <laughs> click on find a vigilante, find your state, and you'll it, hopefully... Uh, you'll find a vigilante in your state nearby. Um, we don't okay, have let, all the let, states let me yet. Interrupt, let me yeah. interrupt for a second. Uh, Nancy and I were talking about the car. We have, we have come up with a, we have a lot of links. We have a lot of web addresses that we throw out. Earlsvigilantes.com is just one of them, one of the many. And uh, uh, can you pull up uh, the home screen of EarlOnCars.com and just give them a summary of the links that are available yeah. Uh, Rick can do it, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought you wanted to show it on the, the screen. The links that are available because yeah. you're driving, most people are driving, most people don't have something to write with. And so when we th start throwing out link after link after link, it's real yeah. simple. Yeah. The simplest things is go into um, earloncars.com, and at that point you can go, you can submit anonymous feedback, you can link to Consumer Reports, Costco Auto Program, True Car, check your car for recalls. You see our recommended dealer list that's uh, brand new, uh, newly refreshed and updated. All the mystery shopping reports. You can file a car dealer complaint right with the state. Uh, you can download Nancy's out the door affidavit right there on the site. And then just for uh, for a laugh, you can go to aintgonnahappen.com. Right. <laughs> and also a used car checklist. So if you're looking to buy a used car, it has a list of things you need to check out and make yeah. sure it is taken care of on that wow. car. Yeah, Nancy, Nancy's always talking about Ashley Moody not doing her job as attorney general for the state of florida and uh, we have a complaint form where you go right to ashley moody attorney general's office and it's car dealer complaints yep. right there but yep. all you have to do is yep. go to earlandcars.com and you have that whole library you got all that yeah. but then the best part you got all earl's articles there so everything you want to know i don't think there's a subject you haven't written about yet so boy that makes life easy real easy earlandcars.com so you can go there and entertain and inform yourself. That's right. So also, I, here's the thing about Earl's Vigilantes. 
we don't have every state covered right now, but really you don't need to get somebody that's in your state. It's helpful. Um, it's a little bit closer. Um, you don't have to worry about long-distance bills anymore these days. <laughs> so if you're in Mississippi and we don't have a vigilante in Mississippi, go ahead and call. Um, we have, I think, six or seven in Florida. So uh, you can go ahead and get help from any anywhere, or you can wait till Saturday and call into the show. But we wanted to help help, help for everybody around the country throughout the week as well. Yeah, you can not only help us, but you can, you know, help the people in your community. And uh, you don't have to be an auto expert, that's for sure. And look at that beautiful hat that Stu designed. That's Is that beautiful? Idea. Looks great. <laughs> Very masculine I love my looking. hat. <laughs> I absolutely love my hat. And you get a hat. That's right. Yeah. All right, well, uh, if, uh, are the phone lines clear right now? No. We got we somebody? All right, good. Let's nope. get to a caller then. <laughs> Okay, uh, no, we don't. 877-960-9960, uh, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And don't forget, ladies, $50 for the first two new lady callers. Now back to Stu. All right. Um, the honor of the first text of every Saturday morning goes to Anne-Marie week after week, so we'll start with hers. Anne-Marie says, good morning. I read a news story about an accident. This story said the vehicle was going 93 miles per hour, two seconds before the airbags deployed. I can't help but wonder, one, how much of a black box is built into any current vehicle's computer system? And two, what does a vehicle's computer system record? Three, who can access it after an accident? Four, how is it accessed? Five, if parents let their teenagers drive their vehicle, can parents access the black box to see how well the kids drove the vehicle? Uh, where did they go and how fast? Bottom line, how much can our vehicles rat us out without us <laughs> using the insurance company's monitoring devices? So for all the questions except for number five, I want Rick to answer because he has experience with the black boxes and he probably has a story or two to tell about how that's given us surprising information in the service well, Before Rick answers, I think um, the black box varies in terms of rules and regulations and uh, whatever privacy from manufacturer to manufacturer and also from state to state. So uh, there's not a federal law on black boxes no. and there's not a uniform law and uh, everybody's got into the act now. The privacy people that uh, hate all black boxes, the insurance companies that love all black boxes as long as they can see what's going on. Manufacturers, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're in the fight. Uh, everybody's arguing about what the black box can say, can reveal, uh, so on and so forth. So, Rick, uh, what do you, you, you probably know more about Florida and, uh, and what our black boxes are for specifically Toyotas, but go ahead. The legality side of it, I don't have very much experience at all, so I'm not even going to express an opinion there. The laws are state, to, state by state, so right. exactly. Yeah. But for the actual physical ability, my computer, I have a special cable and the Toyota TechStream software that I can connect to the car. And going back about three years, three to four years now, the amount of information that is available is astounding. I can actually look back into your car's history and tell, did you step on the gas hard, excessive acceler uh, hard acceleration? hard braking, hard cornering, uh, did you have ABS activate, your anti-lock brakes, you know, stomp on the brake too hard and it actually activated the ABS brakes. 
I can see almost everything that your car has done driving-wise. There is an incident that is recorded, and it's amazing how much I can actually see what, just what with I'm, my scan tool. So you're permitted as a technician at a dealership to see it. Uh, we obviously, Toyota, at one point, you couldn't look at it because Toyota had the privilege, and now you have the privilege. What about what about the owner of the car? Uh, you can certainly communicate to him what you found. Absolutely. If, and if an owner came in and said to you, uh, tell me what my black box, uh, you know, I'll pay you for your time, but tell me what the black box said for the past 30 days. I can hook the computer up and I can show them. So if he has a teenage son with a heavy foot that's using the car for dating, <laughs> I can print. I can print out all that information and hand it to them so they can go back to, to uh, Sun and say, what were you doing here, yeah, boy? And Rick, uh, how about going back a year? Uh, actually, I believe it takes it, unless you go in and erase the information, it takes it from day one. Uh -huh. yeah. And what about uh, the beginning a, of a use, the use of the car? So it, uh, the black box is on used car, new car? Well, it's yeah, when all that information on, on for the cars built in the last several years, last three to four years, it's all in there. It so I could get all. the information uh, from the previous owner of that used car? Yep. Yeah. No laws have, against it. Do you have to get the owner's permission? Uh, or let's say the owner says to you, I want you to fix my car, but I'm, uh, I'm, I have a lot of privacy concerns, and you stay away from my black box. Uh, are, are you, uh, is there any rule saying that you have to listen to that, or is there any right, does the owner have any right to tell you not to use the black box to diagnose a problem? Uh, you don't know. I don't know of any laws or specific things, yeah. but if someone told me that, I'd guess I'd say I listen. Would, I would I'd do my best to respect their wishes. You would, oh, you would honor it, certainly. Yeah. I know yeah. you would. say you might not get a very good diagnosis. I'm going to kind yeah. of go in there half blind because that's how we but diagnose things. Yeah. Now. There, there is the possibility that that information may be germane to my diagnosis. It yeah. may be necessary for me to look at it, but I would consider it almost like a. Uh, a doctor-patient relationship at that point. Exactly. Yeah. So my I'm favorite, not, my I'm favorite not story. Tell what happened. We, we dad, when you brought up the, the about the, the situation with a, a son, a father and a son, <laughs> we had a situation where a son claimed the car spontaneously, the engine just died. There was a father involved who was uh, defending the son's position. And I think Rick, you might have been the tech on this, and the the black box basically described an incident where the kid drove at uh, 45 miles an hour with a fully warmed up engine into water where it just the the temperature uh, went from like what's a te car run temperature on 200 something degrees or around two uh, usually between 180 to 200 degrees is right. normal temperature so the, the temperature coolant. went from like 250 something like that down to like 72 degrees like in a half a second <laughs> so he just dumped hey, it in water uh, uh, rick uh, was the black box on the car uh, back in the uh, 70s and 80s no, because we didn't have the computer controls Gosh, back darn then. It. I could have found out what my daughter did to her vehicle. Hey, that's another show. Um, I have to interrupt everybody and ask all of you to welcome Carol to the show. She's not a new caller, uh, but uh, she is a female, and we love talking to the girls. Good morning, Carol. Good morning. How's you doing today? Thank you for holding. I, I, uh, I love the show. If I have a 2019 van 
Dodge Caravan. Would it have a black box? What year was that one? 19? Yeah, 2019? 2000. Yes, because it, when, when we say black box, it's actually using that as a generic term because each computer in the car right. for the engine transmission, the airbags, and the brake system, all of those are going to have their own computer, and they all have their own separate memory recording it. So it's not like there's, there's just one <laughs> right. box but, uh, but that one, that's one storing point, all this. At one point, there was one. There was there was one box, and well, it was it, and it was put in a secret location uh, that nobody knew the location of. And uh, I mean, you could you could find it, but nope. that was a long time ago. Nope. Okay. It's always been the ABS computer was the first one to have the information stored. Yeah. But I'll challenge you on that, Rick. But uh, you go ahead. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, um. I have a few questions, but one is my parents brought in their um, Toyota Avalon to your dealership like yesterday. They had a little oil leak on the driveway, and they replaced the oil, it says S-I-P-G oil pan, and it just seems very expensive to replace that $597. What do you think? Well, it's actually quite a bit of work on some of the cars to remove that oil pan. And mm -hmm. the, the, the FIPAGE, as we call it, F-I-P-G, is actually an acronym for Form in Place Gasket Material. It's a almost like a silicone material that when you remove the oil pan, you take all the bolts out and you have to literally pull it loose from this silicone glue, clean all the old stuff off, get everything sparkling clean, reapply a new layer, put it back up and put the bolts back in. But in some cases there's also the exhaust pipes running underneath it that you have to remove and other items. Some of the cars you even have to loosen the motor mounts and jack the engine up a little ways to get the pan out past the frame. So it, some cars can be a whole lot of work just to pull that oil pan down and then reseal it. So it was just resealed. It wasn't like a hole in the pan or anything, I guess? Right. Well, how much do you think it should cost? Again, that that's that's going to depend upon the different cars. Yeah, because when it said the oil pan, I thought they got a new oil pan, but it's just resealing it. It just sounds like a lot, $597. Uh, unfortunately, cars are like everything else. They've gotten a lot more expensive, and the repairs have gotten a whole lot more expensive. Yeah. Well, um, my parents wanted to get a new, um, or a new, this is 2003 Avalon, and they wanted to get a newer one, and years ago, my dad, um, like, was afraid to get his credit stolen, so he froze his credit, so technically, he's got money in the bank and everything, but technically, he can't really get a new credit card, he's trying to change that, um, by writing the place and stuff, but... Do you give, um, can, would he be able to buy a car from you with not technically be able to get a new credit card or something? Um, do you have your own credit like place or something? I think Stu uh, that have, Yeah, that would have to go to Stu. Stu would answer that question. What was, what was the question? Um, can you she finance? Says her, her father had frozen his credit years ago 
because he was concerned about uh, identity theft. And so he doesn't have a credit card or anything right now. And she's wondering, can he still buy a car without credit cards or without a, a credit rating? Well, he has a credit card now, but he can't get a new one. Like a couple years ago when Costco changed who, what credit cards they used, Right. They, they couldn't get that new one. Right, when well, they went from Amex to they so, stopped using so, Amex. So, Carol, yeah, a, you're yeah. asking you're asking uh, whether or not Earl Stewart uh, Toyota could finance uh, the next purchase that you're going to make, this, or your father's yeah, going like, to make. Yeah, if they yeah. could. I think get a car without being able to. Stu would be able to answer that yeah. question. Sure. Um, it's better if you have a lot of a big established credit history to get approved for a loan. And I'm not talking about our, our dealership, you know, any, anything that you're buying with credit. Right. So the more established credit, the better situation you are. Um, however, most lenders um, will consider, you know, other credit situations. Um, so anything that helps reduce their risk. Um, will help an approval on the loan. So that would be lowering the amount of the loan with a down payment, uh, maybe getting a, a co-signer with established credit to go on the loan uh, with you. And in some cases, um, they might even do what they can uh, treat them to like a first-time buyer uh, situation, where as long as there's nothing bad um, on the credit, um, there's a good chance to get, um, to get approved for a loan. So um, because that history is limited, that's not going to necessarily you know, stop them from getting a loan. The best thing to do is to um, sub have an application submitted once you're aware of the car that you, you that, that you want to get. Um, it, it will, uh, an inquiry won't hurt the credit, so it's worth taking a shot, provided that you've gone through all the steps and making sure that you're, um, you're getting a good deal on the car he's considering. Yeah. So in other words, no, it's not, it's not a hopeless case. Um, it might be a little bit more difficult, but there's always, there's always a shot. How long has uh, your dad had his credit frozen? Probably been about ten years. He has a credit card that he uses all the time. He he, he used it when he uh, yeah, paid for this. We're talking specifically card. about his uh, his credit uh, being uh, uh, frozen. Uh, yeah, so I'm sure he's probably he got credit cards and, and and all of that. Well, uh, Carol, as Sue said, it's not uh, you know a hopeless case. You'll definitely be able, he'll definitely be able to purchase. That's that's Earl's phone over there. If anybody's wondering what's going on, <laughs> I was getting bored. I don't think I don't think that I was playing poker. I don't think that you, that you have a problem with uh, purchasing a vehicle. So, uh, Carol, give us a call back and let us know how everything turned out for you. We uh, okay. We loved hearing from you again. Stay in touch and spread the word, ladies. Fifty dollars for the first two new lady callers. <laughs> have a great weekend. Hi. Were okay. you really playing poker over there? Yeah, don't no, tell. No, you weren't. Don't, don't tell anybody. <laughs> we're, okay, we're live uh, globally. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody yeah. knows. Speaking of ladies, uh, we have um, um, Earl and I were talking about this article that was in the newspaper recently about car size and uh, women who uh, sustain uh, injuries. And there's a, there was a uh, study uh, that took place, and it was quite interesting that smaller, lighter vehicles that women more often drive, in uh, types of crashes they get into may explain why they are more likely to suffer such serious injuries, serious injuries. Uh, and uh, it, it was an interesting article, and I'm sure you can pull it up on uh, Google. It just came out this, just this past uh, Thursday. And among the findings uh, were that uh, front crashes, 
uh, women were three times as likely to experience a broken bone, a concussion, or other moderate injuries, and twice the likely to suffer a serious one, like a collapsed lung. Mm -hmm. And uh, when, when they talked about this uh, research that was done, they talk about women in smaller vehicles. I want to tell you, uh, uh, when I'm out on the road, uh, uh, this will be directed at Rick, uh, I see more women driving trucks. And uh, I'm just wondering where this study came from. Well, the men drive the bigger trucks, and they say, you know, men, uh, a lot of men tend to uh, feel more masculine by having larger vehicles. And uh, women, you know, they're, they, their different nature is not to have, they might have a truck, but they have a smaller truck. These giant trucks that you see with the diesel smoke fuming out, well, I've never seen a woman doing that. And, uh, and I'm sure there is one out there, but yeah. um, usually. But it, it comes down to the basic problem that we have. Again, we're looking at equality here. Women pay the same amount of money for a car as a man does. A man has a, there are standards on safety. So when you buy a car, uh, the National Highway Traffic Safety Association has standards. The cars have to pass crash tests. Uh, uh, they, they crash test the cars with men models, not women and not children, just men. So the men have a car that's certified safe, but it's not as safe for the woman. And just through what we should know from selling cars and manufacturing cars, the women do tend to buy smaller cars. And if you have a large car collide with a smaller car, guess which one gets hit the worst and has the most yeah. injuries. Yeah. So we have a phenomenon now where women are experiencing far more injuries and deaths percentage-wise than men only because they're smaller human beings and also because the testing of cars is not for women's physical structure. Yeah. So it's just crazy. You should have a car that has a safety standard that's for females yeah. and for males. Abs absolutely. And you know, it was uh, recently within, uh, I'd say the last year or two, uh, that I was reading that uh, women weren't e and children weren't even considered in these crash tests. And uh, now they absolutely are. So uh, that's, that's uh, a good thing. Uh, but back to this article, men and women crashed in minivans and SUVs about as equal proportions. And the researchers, they, they found this out also. And around 70% of women crashed in cars compared with 60% of men. And more than 20% of men crashed in a pickup compared to less than 5% for women. So it was an interesting article. Uh, and uh, if you have anything, a comment, give us a call toll free at 877-960-9960. And remember ladies, to uh, first two new lady callers, you can win yourself $50. So give us a call. Don't forget www.theanonymousfeedback.com. All right, well, speaking of anonymous feedback, let's jump over there and see if anybody has sent any in. And I already know the answers to that question because they've been commenting all week. And we're gonna start with one about tire pressure. And I think this is a critique of some advice that we gave that came in uh, just a couple of days ago. The pressure noted on the sidewall of the tire is the never exceed cold tire pressure. It is typically 45 to 55 PSI pounds per square inch and far above the pressure recommended by the manufacturer on the sticker on the door jam, which is typically 30 to 35 PSI. 
it would result in a very rough and uncomfortable ride. You should direct viewers to the sticker, not the tire sidewall. To your viewer's question, the pressure goes down by approximately one pound per square inch for each 10 degree that the ambient temperature falls. Tires should be inflated to the recommended cold pressure before the car is driven. And I'll turn it over to the two tire experts that we have, because Earl is a tire expert as well. Well, here, I'll give a... Oh, no, uh, wait a second. For, don't forget me. I check Earl's tires. <laughs> <laughs> I have pictures of me on Facebook. I can confirm and, and verify this. I check the PSI. All right. Now back to the recovering car dealer. The, the, point, the point he makes is uh, that it is, can be a very rough, uncomfortable ride. And that was my comment, and I'll let Rick give you the technicalities, but... But a very rough and uncomfortable ride are, is in the fanny of the beholder. And uh, you take two or three different people, and they could get in the same car and go over the same road at the same speed, and each one of them will have a different idea about what, how smooth the ride is. So you have to tailor uh, what you consider an uncomfortable ride for yourself, not, not for somebody else. Uh, there is one thing about uh, a highly inflated tire. Uh, as long as you don't overinflate it, we certainly don't recommend that. But if you stay below the the limit of what the tire manufacturer says, uh, you're not going to have a problem with overinflation. Meaning, uh, it's going it's not going to blow up on you, and it's not going to cause uneven wear, and it's going to give you much better, much better uh, tire wear on a, on, on a highly inflated tire. But it might be too uncomfortable, so you have to play with it a little bit. And uh, if if you have a very sensitive fanny. You might want to take it right down to the manufacturer's <laughs> recommendation, but uh, and pay more in gas. Yes, exactly. So you have to weigh the fuel savings and the tire wear savings against your comfort, and uh, it's different for everybody. With that said, Rick, one, it's all yours. One size doesn't fit all. Exactly. And I agree absolutely with everything you said. I only dispute the uh, textures one point. And this is coming from a guy that I put air in anywhere from 40 to 200 tires a day. The sidewall numbers may be as low as 35, because I've seen that on hundreds of tires. Mm -hmm. And depending upon the make and model of the tire and the size of the tire, can go as high as 60. So for the recommended safe pressure. That's usually on truck tires that are uh, what they call light truck tires that are designed you know, to last a lot longer, but most passenger cars, you're gonna see 35 to 40 is the maximum pressure that the tire's allowed to have, some of them going up to 45. Let me ask you a question, and I don't want to belabor the tire thing, but obviously there's a lot of other um, factors that, that affect the comfort of the ride, and tires is one of them. Would, would it be less, say, in a, um, you know, a luxury sedan like the one that you drive with a great suspension, great seats, and all that, Maybe it's less um, important to have perfectly, you know, or softer tires as opposed to a, maybe a cheaper subcompact that you'd feel, you know, it doesn't quite have. That's not designed to really give you a soft ride. If, if you have a car with a really good suspension and it's comfortable, you might not notice a higher <coughs> pressure in the tires. Well, I'll put this challenge out to anybody. If you have your tires set at 30 pounds and you drive that car and then you set it to 35 but you don't tell the driver well, they that you increased the tire no, or you not, went down. They're not going to notice. I would guarantee you there's not a driver out there that could tell the difference between 30 and 35 
PSI yeah. in their tires. But if you told them, they'd know. They know if right. you told them, oh, they'd feel it all day long. Okay, yeah. how about uh, a 40? You and, might and you start didn't tell to them. Feel, you might start to feel it a little bit then because the tires are getting progressively harder. Depends okay. on your fanning. Um, yeah. it, th th right. This is a, a controversial, it you know, can turn into a controversial topic because as uh, Stu alluded to the fact that uh, Earl Stewart uh, drives this luxury Lexus, I want to tell you it's the most uncomfortable ride for me in the passenger side. And what changes that 150% is for me to be in the driver's side and all holding on to that steering wheel. And the same thing applies to my Avalon, but that's just me, so. Okay, let's uh, the, move the, along. The, the, the boys club, they're all rolling their eyes, no, ladies. Like, Give me a call, I, tell sorry, me how I, you feel about that. I just like, I like, uh, <laughs> yeah, <never> mind. <laughs> There's so much humor here that nobody's, in, nobody's catching on to this. All right, let's jump over to some text over here. Um, I'm glad you find this humorous. I find everything humorous. I love Saturday mornings. I can fix that. Huh? You're, you're going to be in the passenger oh, no. seat of the Lexus. No, uh, no, 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 no. I'm driving today. Okay. Uh, this is really interesting. Um, I've read about this recently, and if you have a new iPhone, you have this technology on your phone. So here's the, the, the texter. Um, Austin Russell is the founder of Luminar is the maker of LiDAR sensors, and he's the youngest billionaire in the world. He's betting that LiDAR is the future of autonomous vehicles, enabling them to see. And this runs contrary to Elon Musk, who believes that regular cameras and software will allow cars to see. LiDAR is, is used by nearly every manufacturer in their autonomous development projects, and that includes General Motors, Toyota, Volvo, etc. And it's gonna be the tech used in the future Apple car. But Tesla is betting against everyone. So what are your thoughts, Earl? I'm always betting with Elon Musk. I don't know anybody smarter, and I don't know anybody that has surprised so many experts and uh, embarrassed so many experts than Elon Musk. He might be a silly guy, uh, and he might uh, embarrass other CEOs, but he's smarter than they are, so I go with Elon. You know what I don't understand? Cameras are so cheap. Software is, is cheap. You know, there's no, nothing physical there. Um, why not both? Um, I know there's advantages to both. I mean, LiDAR is really cool because it does 3D mapping, but it has a harder time with moving objects. Um, and, and I think one part of Elon's argument is that it's still a developing technology, so it's not quite there yet. And we have cameras and software that can accomplish what he's trying to accomplish now. I've, I mean, just I'm not an engineer or a technician. I think a combination of both. You get the best of both worlds. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I saw the interview on Squawk Box of mm -hmm. this uh, young. This guy, yeah, he's 25 years old. I, I couldn't, I just, you, you know, where were his beginnings? He was just so amazing. He's a, he dropped out of Stanford. He's a brilliant guy. He started com um, manufacturing la lasers in his parents' garage when he was like 11 years old. So this guy's a, he's a, uh. he's a genius too. And he's hoping to sell his LiDAR, te LiDAR technology to every manufacturer and become an even bigger billionaire. Oh boy. <laughs> Don't bet against Elon. All right. Um, when it comes to dealer installed accessories, what's worth taking? How do I handle it if they say the accessory is already installed so I have to pay for it? Do dealers do this just to make extra money? Uh, this is really unfair to consumers like me who shop on a budget. That sounds like a set up question because uh, if there's one thing I probably overstated on this show, that all dealer installed accessories are worthless, and not literally of course, that's a exaggeration to make my point, 
but they overcharge. And they, yes, there is only one reason for dealer installed accessories, and that's to make a profit. In fact, that's a reason for the manufacturer's installed accessories, but at least they're fairly priced, or at least transparently priced. Uh, the dealers take their accessories, uh, mark them up to 300%, and there's no uh, factory warranty on these accessories. If you have something the dealer installed, you better hope that he's going to warrant it, because the manufacturer won't. Uh, and uh, they usually have these accessories after the fact. You, you commit to a price on the car, you get quoted, you see an advertisement, then they throw in these accessories that are marked up three or four hundred percent that sound good, but in fact are, are, are worth a fraction of what they're charging you. All right. Uh, this is from John in California, and he was listening to the conversation um, about the black box. And uh, he says, good morning to everyone. So does the black box store all the information on how you drive? Does it also retain the info if a car has been in an accident or any type of impact. Rick mentioned that the auto technician can erase the black box info, so can a dealer do this to hide info from a used car bar? And before we answer that, something Nancy said that got me thinking was, is it simple enough and quick enough to access this stuff if you're looking to buy a used car to say, show me, I want to see how this car was driven? Is that something that can be accessed in a in a buying situation? Great question. Mm, it'd be a kind idea. of difficult because it, you'd have to get a technician involved with the computer, hook up to the car, and go in to do it. But it, it could be done, yes. Well, the question is, how much, uh, based on what a dealer would charge, what would be the what would be the time and the cost if someone said, "Tell me how this car was driven for the past X number of months." Uh, to pull up all the data and then print it out for them be about an hour really at the most that's not bad at all the dealer might charge yeah. 100 150 bucks or 200 bucks for that but and just give us a brief summary of what everything you would you would know the temp you would know the temperature extremes you'd know the uh, speed extremes you'd know the braking extremes you could say this car was driven sanely and reasonably for the past 12 months or you could say this car was driven insanely yeah for Interpreting the data is a lot of it too. You yeah. have to. Is it like you know, a shed spreadsheet, like a bunch of lines of stuff? Yeah. It's not. Is it? It's not like a summary. <laughs> it doesn't say, "Hey, I." It actually will come up with such information as um, hard braking, hard braking, yeah. ABS activation. You know, it'd be, uh, somebody could make some money developing a, a program that would just could, could summarize it and give it a score, you know, based on you know this has been driven hard brake more than. 75% of other vehicles like How about this. airbag deployment? Would that mention? Airbag deployment would be listed, yeah. Uh, yeah Unless yeah. the computer was replaced, then it wouldn't have that yeah. information anymore. You know, for 150 or 200 bucks, you know, yeah. I was buying a car and paying $20,000 for a, uh, somebody else's car. Mm -hmm. I think I'd pay that money to see what yeah. the black box said. Right. This is a very... Um, great idea. Great idea and also a subject that's really... Uh, uh, capturing people's imaginations. Dog Walker Dave in Palm Beach, Texas, and he says, could the black box be used to determine what repairs or problems had occurred to a used car, that, something that Carfax might not provide? And that's where exactly what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Some of that information might be available, but right. bear in mind, too, that a Toyota can only be accessed by a Toyota technician. A Ford would require a Ford technician. A Lexus would require a Lexus. Yeah technician because the software okay. is different. There's, there's, there's legislation right now in Tallahassee in Florida and I think in a lot of other states to 
to make all that information available to all technicians. And the manufacturers and the dealers are lobbying he heavily to keep it proprietary within the um, make of the car. So that, that, that's not going to always be that way. I guarantee you, eventually, uh, all this information will be available to any uh, qualified technician. You don't have to be a Honda technician uh, to look at a, a Chevrolet black box and interpret it after the legislation says it's okay. Right now, you know, it's kind of like a monopoly. If you want to get your car diagnosed, you're going to have to go to the dealer chip make of dealer that you own the car to it. Yep. There, are, could do it. there are some things you can get now that plug into the data port and communicate with a smartphone that gives you data on your car, and I don't know mm -hmm. how detailed it is if it's, if it's as good as the manufacturer's one, uh, but that's available. You can get that on Amazon and you know play around with it, and some of it's not terribly well, expensive. That's like, uh, there are scan tools that you can buy generic right. from, say, Snap-on or others, and these that just will work on every model of car, but it's only going to give you about... I'm going to say 50 to 60% of the in-depth that you can get with the software that is dedicated for that manufacturer. Yeah. How detailed does the information become? Uh, you mentioned earlier about Toyota, Honda, uh, I'll throw in Chevrolet. Uh, that box that we're talking about, does each box accumulate just so much data? Well, the ABS computer will re record anything that it sees as hard acceleration, hard braking, uh, hard cornering, because all the computers talk to themselves. So each of the computers has its own memory system where it stores data. So some will have a little more in-depth data than other computers in the car, but the tech stream would be, our computer would be able to talk to each of them and look at what their record of behavior is for whatever incident it might have seen. Interesting. 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And don't forget, www.youranonymousfeedback.com. And ladies, we've got so much going on here, so much information. We'd love to hear from you. First two new lady callers, you can win yourself $50. Give us a call. We're going to go to Rick, who's got some... Uh, YouTube's over there. I've got a couple of them. Uh, one, Jimmy, sorry about the delay here. Uh, he's a new listener, new subscriber on YouTube here, and he says, um, can you please elaborate on the computer chip shortage for, you know, obviously due to COVID, and how it's affecting the prices of new and used vehicles? In, um, well, it's affected, a, it's caused shutdowns. Uh, basically, I, a lot of this had to do with planning for the amount of, the and last year with COVID, let me rewind a little bit. A lot of the manufacturers um, for, for the, uh, the circuits, the semiconductors, were expecting to be a much harder impact on the car business uh, than it did. Car business recovered super fast and is having one of the greatest years ever. Uh, so a lot of these, uh, the supply chain, it kind of illustrates how interconnected all these supply chains are, was um, once these orders were cut back down, anticipating slow car sales, um, to get back that supply chain going again, it affected um, the production of General Motors, Ford, all the manufacturers, including Toyota. Um, it depends. General Motors is affected by it a lot more than, say, Toyota. Toyota, it's really affecting just Tundras, which is a low-volume uh, low volume uh, seller for, for Toyota, um, but it will affect the prices. Um, it's just a simple economic fact. When the supply goes down, the prices will go up. And the shortage of microchips is not just for automobiles. 
there's a worldwide right. shortage for microchips. So a manufacturer of microchips makes microchips for cars and for refrigerators and for uh, telephones and everything else. Everything's got a microchip in it. So with the uh, huge surge in high-tech um, industry, there's just a shortage. And mm -hmm. it's temporary, and it will go away, and then there'll be an oversupply. But uh, yeah, anytime if a car dealer has a hard problem getting a particular model car because uh, they can't build enough SUVs of his make because the microchip problem, and he only has a few on the lot, he's going to charge a, a hell of a lot more money than if he had too many on the lot. In fact, we raised the prices on our tenders. Yeah. As a, as a result. Exactly. Not crazy. <laughs> we didn't go nuts. But. Okay. Okay. And I'm, oh, I'm going to interrupt you call? because we do have a first-time caller, and it's Linda who's calling from West Palm Beach. Welcome to Earl Stewart on Cars, Linda. Hi, nice to be here. Enjoying Thank you. The conversation. Thank you. What can we do for you this morning? Well, what I wanted to ask was um, when you do go into a dealership and buy a new car and then you sit down with the uh, finance person uh, and they try and sell you all the different, um, you know, keys, extra key locks and, you know, different accessories to your car as well as... Um, uh, an extended warranty. Do those people make money on what they sell to you? Oh, certainly. Yes. Definitely. That's De what their salary is. De definitely. Well, everybody's paid on a commission, so the more um, add-ons they add to the car, that increases the profit, and a car salesman will make uh, you know, 20, 25% of that profit. So the more garbage that they can load on, especially low-cost stuff that they can really inflate the price, that's, that's just a, that's a, a windfall for any salesperson that, who can sell it. Yeah, that's a little icing on the cake, Carol. Uh, Carol, are you, are, excuse me, Linda, are you, um, are you speaking of yourself uh, going into the dealership alone? Um, no, well, usually um, I do buy my cars by myself. Occasionally my husband comes with me. <laughs> but I, I dread, absolutely dread going into that finance office because... I usually don't take the extended warranty. I don't buy any of the extra stuff, and it's just pressure. And yeah. not only did you have it trying to uh, negotiate the price on the car, but then you go in there and you get beat over the head by the finance guy. Yeah. And there's yeah. been times where I told him, no, I don't want the warranty, and then when I look at my receipt before I sign it, the charge for the warranty is what was on there, and I, went, I said to him, what's this? $1,200. And he said, oh, what's that? Oh, oh, sorry. I, I ended up putting it on there. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. And I'm thinking, yeah. And <laughs> right. if I didn't really critique, if I didn't critique this, how would that mistake ever be found? Yeah. Linda, you are you know, definitely an educated consumer. That's for sure. And uh, you, you stressing that you go through a lot of stress. It's a workout. It is a workout from yeah. the very beginning. And uh, to be an educated consumer, uh, knowledge is power. And boy, I'll tell you what, uh, uh, there, there are more people today in the 21st century who have control over walking into a dealership, whether they're alone or not. And um, the reason for that is because they know that the people that they meet in the dealership, they're not, their, they're not there to make a friend. Uh, you are there to make a purchase and you are going to have to jump through some hoops from the time you purchase a car till 
well, not purchase it, but uh, you're getting slowly getting to the F&I department, and once you get into that box that they call it, well, it's every man for himself unless you are in total control and you can say no. Right, right, and it, and it is a stressful uh, thing. And my, my parents bought a car um, from another dealership on North Lake, uh, not uh, Earl, and um, my dad came by my house to show me the car, and I was like, beautiful, beautiful, and he, you know, showed me the receipt, and I said, oh, I said, you bought the warranty? I said, um, you never you usually buy a warranty, but, you know, he's in his 80s, and I thought maybe he just doesn't want to have the hassle. And he said, no, I didn't buy the warranty. I said, yes, you did. It's right here on the receipt. And then I was like, you bought the, you bought the insurance for the keys? You bought, uh, oh, my God, you bought everything. So he said, no. He goes, I went into the office, and the guy just said, oh, this is for your warranty sign here. This is for your XP sign here. I said, no, Dad, these are all extras. So I called the, um, the guy who sold him the car immediately, the salesman. And um, he said, come right back with the receipt. And that's what we did. And believe me, they did not like to see me walking in there with my parents. Yeah. We sat down. It it was great that you were there for them uh, because deception runs deep. Whether you're in the showroom, whether you're in F&I, whether you're in service everywhere. And you really have to, you know, be aware of all of it. And you know what? Um, your, Your dad, I think you said he was in his 80s. 86, yep. 86, you know, how does he feel? There you are pointing out the fact that he said no to uh, this uh, warranty, and you're pointing out the fact that it's in the contract. How does he feel? I mean, this man has been around a long time and probably taught you a whole lot, and your mother. Free and war And it, it, exactly, and it, all the way around, it's just a, a really bad feeling, but the positive, you were there to take a look at the contract. But like I said, deception runs deep and you really have to be careful and you gotta be, dot those I's, cross and, those T's. And be your own and be your own advocate for absolutely sure. And and like you said, they're not your friends. Just look, watch. Yeah. See what they're putting on that screen. Yeah. Ask questions. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Linda, congratulations. You won yourself $50. It was great talking to you. And uh, oh, thank you. stay in touch. We, we love hearing from the ladies. Have a great weekend. Happy okay. Valentine's Day. Thank you. You as well. Bye-bye. 877-960-9960. Or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Back to Rick. He has some I, tubes. I got one more here. Uh, Donovan has says, I've got a friend who purchased a car recently, and initially they got a very high interest rate. The dealer said they had poor credit, which they don't. Mm-hmm. After refusing the rate in the deal, the dealer magically lowered the interest rate to a very low rate to close the deal. But to get that rate, they said his friend had to buy a warranty from the dealer for almost $3,000. Illegal. They said they could cancel it after three payments were made and they were given a form to cancel it. His question is, do they actually have to wait the three payments before they can cancel the warranty? Oh, I got the answer to this one. Well, number one, that's illegal. (laughs) (laughs) That's breaking the law. Uh, Number two, 
the person trying to sell that warranty told them to cancel after 90 days because in his pay plan, he's protected against any chargebacks or cancellations that happen after 90 days. So he can sell um, them the warranty illegally because he tied it to the financing, um, get paid a commission, and then the customer cancels in 90 days and he gets to keep that commission. If they canceled it within the 90 days, he loses it. So um, this is a disgustingly unethical and criminal um, activity that was just described uh, by the YouTube uh, uh, wow. monitor. Don wow, by Donovan. Yeah. Donovan, that's real bad. <laughs> we, as a matter of fact, we haven't even run into that um, on, on our mystery shopping reports. Uh, part of the reason is that we don't ever really get to go into finance, um, which is just a shame. It's really hard to do. Well, we um, should. We, we should, we should mean, try, yeah. but it's, it's really difficult. Um, but that was a, about as bad as, as they come right there. I loved all mm. those adjectives you used. <laughs> <laughs> it upset me. All right. Um, you're good over there? Yep. We're caught up. Johnny from Riviera Beach has a very interesting question. Very curious to hear Earl's take on this. Um, he says, uh, Earl, do you think you'll ever accept doggy coin as a down payment on a new car? And doggy coin, I, ha I had to look it up, and, and Johnny explained it. It's a new cryptocurrency. It looks like it says Dogecoin, but it's pronounced Doggy Coin. It's got a picture of a Japanese dog on it. And he asked because there's a Nissan dealer in Daytona that says they're accepting Doggy Coin as a down payment on, on, on newer used cars. And before we get into it, um, we did get set up to accept Bitcoin um, years ago, and we did that. We actually sold a, a car uh, using Bitcoin. And my take is that it's Cryptocurrencies are too volatile now to, to, to really, you know, they, they swing so wildly in value. You, you could take a payment on a car in the morning um, and it might, uh, Bitcoin might be worth $27,000 um, and the afternoon might be worth $20,000. But the trick is you convert instantly, instantly. into dollars. So yeah. a lot of people are taking Bitcoin and uh, there's nothing true, nothing new under heaven and earth. Somebody said a long time ago, nice thing about being in the business as long as I have. Uh, it's been a, <clears throat> a trick, a game of car dealers. They kind of pioneered accepting anything in payment. Uh, I, took a, I took a cow one time in on payment. And uh, people, you'll take whatever people have to pay, and then you convert it to cash. So uh, we have, uh, back a long time ago, it seemed to be happened more then than now, but people come in and say, look, uh, I don't have any cash, but I need to buy a car. I've got a lawnmower. I've got... Uh, I got this ring, I've got, uh, you know, and we would accept anything in, in payment. Yeah. But first we'd go out and we would get a bid from a pawn shop or from a, a secondhand store and we would have the thing placed and uh, bought before we took it in. And that's what they do with Bitcoin. That's what they do yeah. with doggy currency. So, or so with the the, uh, the wallet, the Bitcoin wallet, the little yeah. you can trans, you can convert it instantly to dollars. Or how how long do you have to wait before you can convert it? Uh, it's instantly, okay. instant. You just you you take. Uh, uh, it's like a, you pay a you pay a commission like you do on a credit card. So if someone gave me uh, uh, fifty thousand dollars in Bitcoin, I could go to my app on my phone and immediately transfer it to the U.S. currency. And there's no more risk. You have zero risk. You pay a, you pay a little surcharge for the service of converting it mm -hmm. to U.S. dollars. Right. I and for people that use it, um, that is considered a cash thing. So there's like there's IRS regulations. So if you take anything that's $10,000 or more, there's mm -hmm. a form that has to be filled out. So 
for you money, money launderers out there, it's kind of it's hard to get away with it. <laughs> you know, and to your uh, point about the value, and you're talking, you know, twenty-seven thousand dollars, and you know, maybe by and that's at two o'clock, and maybe by three o'clock, yeah. you know, it's uh, twenty thousand dollars. So I would think that that would be instant uh, if, when if you're, you're not for on the Bitcoin. ball. Right. If you don't do that, exactly. You're not on the ball, you and if screwed. you've been watching the news lately, Bitcoin is everywhere, and everyone is talking about it and using it. Right. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Um, we had, well, we saw the one about the dealer installed accessories. Let's go over to anonymous feedback. And this one says, "I can't get approved for a car loan. Um, I do not want to go to a buy here pay here place. What are my options?" Well, you got a problem. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. if you uh, when you say you can't get approved, I would question. Uh, you know, is uh, uh, you have to give us a little more information. Uh, your Beacon score. FICA score, uh, we need to start somewhere. If you have, if you have uh, really bad credit with bankruptcies and repossessions, then you just can't buy a car, and uh, it's a sad thing. Uh, you, sometimes your only option is to uh, buy here, pay here, and we've talked about this on the show before. Just like anything else in life, there are good companies and bad companies, and the buy here, pay here. Uh, there are people that are honest, but the even the honest buy here, pay here companies charge high interest and they sometimes require uh, significant down payments uh, often. So if you don't have a significant down payment and you have bad credit, you're just not going to be able to buy a car anywhere. It's a tough thing. Uber. Yeah. Hello. You know, renting, by the way, you know, is not a bad option and you can, if you shop around, you can rent a car if you get a 90 day or six month rental. Uh, you have to have a credit card if you rent a car, and that can be a problem if you have terrible credit, but and sometimes rental is your only option. Yeah, and there's a lot of folks out there that, uh, you know, reconsider purchasing a car, uh, renting a car, uh, used, new, whatever. Why? They consider Uber, Lyft, is because they don't use a car that often, and they just eliminate that car payment or falling into these deceptive hands at I hear pay here, so that's another option. All right. Um, hello, hello, Earl Nancy at Al. Uh, I'm a licensed independent Florida dealer, and I buy vehicles on Mannheim Simulcast at locations throughout the country. I see Carvana purchasing vehicles with a condition report that is below a grade that my customers would accept. Um, I wonder how many vehicles Carvana has, have, has had rejected at the time of delivery. And thanks to us and for keeping up the good work. And just to let everybody know, most of the um, wholesale buying that dealers do are, is done online now. Yeah. And he mentioned Mannheim. Mannheim owns just about every car auction in the country. Not all of them. There's other auctions. But they're the big players in the business. And they have something called um, uh, OVE, which is it's online vehicle exchange, simulcast. And people, dealers with licenses can go online and see these cars that are going to run. And they have these condition reports, and the condition reports uh, explains just the mechanical and cosmetic condition of the car, and they gives it a grade, so you have an idea of what you're what you're buying. And if you buy a car, it doesn't match the condition report, which is called the CR. Um, uh, you have a right of uh, right to return the vehicle to the to the auction, and the seller would have to um, re return the money. Um, so he's mentioning Carvana, which is just jumped into the sphere here um, with a lot of advertisement and it's online buying. And uh, I'll turn that over to Earl. I've heard no reports that they were trying to uh, take advantage of any customers, nothing uh, unethical, underhanded. 
Uh, you know, they do buy a lot of cars uh, today uh, with the rel relative shortage of used cars. Not bad shortage. It's getting, it will improve as time goes by. But uh, Carvana has a very good uh, money back guarantee. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, they, are, they are very well financed thanks to their initial public offering. And they are losing money, and uh, but that amount of money they're losing is narrowing, and so uh, uh, when you buy a car from anybody, you want to be sure to get it checked out. So this independent dealer that uh, sent us it, uh, the anonymous feedback, uh, uh, they're competition, and uh, they're here to stay, and they're not the only ones. And uh, the reason that people are doing business with Carvana is because it's online and it's easy, and you can go online. You can buy a car, sight unseen, uh, they will deliver it to your home, they will appraise your car at your home, take the trade-in back, and uh, leave you the new car, and you pay them online, and uh, if you don't like it, you're going to return it. So that's, uh, that's the future of the car business. So to the texter, uh, anonymous feedbacker, uh, my suggestion to you is go online, mm -hmm. push your online business, try to match what Carvana does and OffLeaseOnly.com does and what CarMax does and Vroom does yeah. and uh, you'll, be, yeah. you'll be competitive. Carvana sells so many cars because dealers have just ruined everything because uh, they dominated for so long and everybody hates dealers. Yeah. Nobody wants to go to a car dealership and Carvana offers a, uh, an alternative to that and, that, and it's just it's just resonating. Yeah. Um, we're going to ask, I already did, I just texted our, our buyer, our wholesale guy, uh, to go online just to double check that to see because um, we can do the same thing see uh, what kind of vehicles they're buying and we'll report on it either way uh, next week and let you know you know do, are they buying cars that are not in good condition or is that not true and the reason I say that I'm not I'm not questioning the the uh, the honesty of the, the texter but it is a threat to car dealers and a lot of car dealers are reacting the opposite of the way Earl suggested the, the smartest thing to do is well, fight fire with fire give customers what they want um, don't fight them and claim that they are uh, somehow a nefarious, uh, you know, intrusion into into the car business. Um, they're doing something that customers want, so you better figure out that for yourself. Well, I'll tell you what, folks. Uh, so much information this morning, and uh, our listeners sharing information with us. What a great show! And I just want to take a moment to thank all of you for uh, being a part of this show every Saturday morning. Uh, your presence is certainly very important, and we appreciate it. So thank you. 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Now back to Stu. Okay, more anonymous feedback. I bought a Nissan up here in Orlando last Sunday. On Monday, I decided that the whole process was rushed by both me and the dealership. Uh, I drove to the dealership the first thing in the morning, I had put less miles on the car than we did on the test drive, but the dealer refused to take it back and said the sale was final. They offered to let me trade it in on another new Nissan, but this would also require another $4,000 from me. What can I do? Well, you, um, you're really stuck, and uh, what you just described happens at most dealerships. When you buy a car and sign in, put your name on the line, give them your money, and take it home, uh, you bought a car and you can't take it back. Uh, or in the cases they described, they'll let you take it back, but you have to trade it on another car. Then you're really out of control because they could price the next car you want to buy at anything they want. And 
they're going to probably try to make more money than they did on the first car if they take the first car back. So the only way you can get out of that is find somebody that has a money-back guarantee. We talked about Carvana, uh, CarMax, Vroom. Uh, a lot of these online companies uh, do have guarantees uh, that are legitimate. But uh, don't take the car home until you are absolutely sure that you want to keep it. And uh, uh, the salesperson's paid on the commission. His manager's paid on commission. The dealer is paid on commission because he makes a profit. And they probably made four or $500, if you're lucky, might have been 1000 or $2,000. The commission is 25% of the profit they sold you the car for. So when you come back three or four days later and say, I changed my mind, the salesman's thinking about reaching into his pocket and taking $500 out yeah. and giving it back. He's and he's pay. not going to do that. Ain't going to happen.com. Ain't going to happen.com. And, and the fact that they're asking for $4,000 to help you out of the trade, that, that's really um, illustrative of the kind of deal that you got. Um, if they were willing to help you, and we've done this, they could structure a deal that wouldn't be as painful. What it sounds like they're doing is they made a, a full pop, as they say, on the first sale, and they want to make another full pop. And yep. so... Uh, to get that deal, they're basically cover, they want to make cover their profit and the the, the depreciation because uh, well, it's, in reality there shouldn't be any depreciation because they can stop the paperwork. It's never going to get titled. It's one day later, so it, they're just they're just bad guys. Yeah. And like Earl said, there's not a whole lot you can do. It, yeah. it, it just sucks. Real real bad guys. And uh, the, the, what you can do, <laughs> expose them. Do you want to do yeah. that? Absolutely. And you can expose them in every way you can get on the internet and i'm going to tell you what what a powerful place to go Google, and also you Google can go ratings. To, you can go to earl on cars yeah. ashley oh. moody the attorney general filed a complaint there's a lot you can tell do. us well, that, that, that's dealer. not going to work because it's legal well, i mean well, uh, it's legal in yeah. florida to sell a car and have the sale final, and you don't take the car back. And virtually every car dealer right. has that. You better bet. You're you're better off letting us know the name of the dealer, and we'll read it out loud next. Yeah, Saturday. that's <laughs> even a better idea, Stu. Uh, let us know who you dealt with. It's not unheard of. Everybody lets us know all the time. That's right. We are going to go to Jim, who uh, is calling us from Boynton Beach. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. Uh, I got a, I have a uh, Mazda six. And when I pull up to like a traffic light or I'm sitting steady in a parking lot or something like that, my radio just randomly takes over and will start changing channels. And uh, you basically can't control it until you take your foot off the brake. Um, I looked on Google and I see it's a, actually a big issue with many of them. And I called the dealership. Sorry, I took you off speaker. <laughs> the, um, I called the dealership. They said it might be a software update that I need to do, but they're talking about $250 for that update. And I was wondering, since it's an SD card that the update goes on to, can I just download that from Mazda's website, or would it be suggested to go to a dealership for something like that? Hmm. How old is the car? 2017. Yeah, so probably you're just out of warranty on the 336 that most of them have. Uh, well, yeah, I got 142,000 miles on it. <laughs> ah, well. My suggestion, really, I would go in and talk to the service manager and say, hey, wait a minute, you know, 
this seems a little odd for this to be having you know a software update and i'm wondering why they would charge so much for a software update i mean i think the maximum that we might charge on a car that's out of warranty for that on the radio is about 150 dollars because it, it simply downloaded to the computer and uploaded to the radio but i i can't see 250 bucks that is wow i don't think it's something yeah. that you're going to be able to download from any sort of Mazda website because they're probably not going to simply allow that to go right out to the public if they're making money on it. Jim, which Mazda dealer? Could you tell us the name of the dealer? Um, I honestly don't remember. I just randomly called one and somewhere within, like near Boynton Beach. I just called because um, I actually bought my car through drive time. So, um, and I was just calling Mazda to see what if they've heard of the issue. And I talked to the service manager, and that's what he said. You know, it could yeah. be. As simple as an update, or it could be a screen problem, which we're talking about a thousand dollars, not more. So, you know, I just felt like it was kind of high, and I looked at uh, if there was a self-fix to this, and I saw you can download a uh, for the navigation system, like a software update. And I was wondering if that would be the same thing, or if I'm just looking to like cost me a lot more money by doing it myself if I could. I'd call another Mazda dealer uh, if there's a Gunther has a Mazda dealership. I'm not sure if it's near Boynton. I, I think it might be, uh, but they're a good, uh, reliable dealership. I'd call another and try to get, as Rick says, try to get yeah. through to the boss. Uh, uh, don't ask. Don't get an assistant service manager. Get the service manager, and uh, talk to uh, a couple places. I I think they're trying to hijack you on the price there. And okay. it, if they do uh, say that you need a new radio, you know, if, if that comes out to that, and the factory radios, I know they can be a thousand or more. I would look into the idea of Best Buy or some other place for an aftermarket radio, and get 2021 technology that you can have installed by their crew for around five to six hundred dollars maximum, and have a top of the line stereo with the Bluetooth, CarPlay, backup camera, the whole nine yards. Right. Now, how would it um, would it be wise to call Mazda Corporation itself? Because, like I said, I looked on this and there's like numerous complaints about the same thing happened to many models of the Mazda that this is happening. Would that something to get a, a recall started on it? Or yeah, you could call is all all the manufacturer does is call the dealer back. The good thing about that is that the uh, the complaint. That goes through the manufacturer usually comes to the service manager, and the service manager is who you who you want to talk to. So, you could do both. Okay. Uh, you could do the 800 number to Mazda. Uh, they would contact uh, the service department. The manager would see it, and you could talk to the manager directly. That would be a double whammy. It might it might help uh, expedite things. Manufacturers can't tell the dealer what to do. Unfortunately, uh, they can only okay. suggest, but they don't. Uh, the dealer is an independent businessman. Okay, okay. I appreciate your help. Thanks for the call, Jim. Good luck, and uh, call us back and let us know Thanks. how it went. 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Uh, I think we're going to go back to Stu. Yep, um, we have a, uh, a text question. It's a technical one. Um, it says, I have a question for Rick. Um, can any part of a rack and pinion be serviced at all? Um, Jonathan's going to put a picture of a rack and pinion on the screen. So here's a picture where mine has a small leak. 
Uh, it looks like it, it, it looks like it can be, but the dealer says it can't be. And he wants $2,200 for a new OEM part. So the question is where he, pointed, he drew a circle around that. It's on the screen now. Can it be made, uh, fixed? <laughs> or is he new, new, new? Well, if it's, if it's just a very small amount and it's the rubber boot, if the boot is torn, we can replace, our, at our dealership, we generally will replace the rubber boot. But depending upon the design of the rack, if it's leaking at that body or the seals inside have started leaking, then no, we generally do not repair the racks because we just don't have the, the parts or the capability for overhauling it. It's actually a much better option at that point to put a new rack in it. Okay, so it sounds like they're shooting them straight. Yeah. Okay. That's a good question, though. It's an expensive part, $2,200. You better ask some questions for sure. Absolutely. It's kind of like what and you always say. And get a say. second opinion on it. Can they um, show them? The, a lot of times you say show me. Is that one of the things that's easy to show to a, uh, a car owner? It can be. You can get under and shine a flashlight up there. Quite often you can see relatively well on them. Some of you may have to kind of get at a weird angle to see it. but Okay. There you go. All right. That's what we're here for. Uh, we have one last text, um, and it says, I have Apple CarPlay, and I love it for the most part. I do have a problem, though. CarPlay is supposed to come on if my iPhone is tethered and I turn on the car. Half of the time, I have to reconnect Apple CarPlay because it doesn't come on automatically. Is this a phone issue or a car issue, and what can I do? Stu, I'm going to interrupt you and Rick. That might be a lengthy answer, and we're going to go to the phones where I have Roberta, who is a first-time caller, She's calling us from Jupiter. Welcome to the show, Roberta. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to hear from you. Thank you. Your congratulations. Your female caller number two, fifty dollars. Oh, oh, how wonderful! Thank you. You're welcome. What can we do for you? Um, I just wanted to see how much I'm enjoying the show. I feel like I, I'm a new listener. My sister had told me about the show, and I'm learning a lot, and it's very interesting, so I wanted to thank you. Oh, thank you so much for the compliment. Not only that, but for all the ladies that are listening to your comment, you're encouraging them to give us a call. We're really building a platform here. Thank you so much. Hope to hear from you soon. Well, I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. Thanks for the same to you. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, we can jump back over to the, the question. Uh, uh, go ahead. Um, now, when she says re when they say reconnect the Apple CarPlay, I mean, actually unplug the phone or replug it in, because I've actually noticed... Let's restate the question, yeah. because we got yeah. the... Uh, oh, yeah. Um, so the, uh, the, the texter has Apple CarPlay, and periodically, uh, they say half of the time, when they turn on the car and the phone is plugged in, Apple CarPlay doesn't come back up. They have to reconnect. So I'm, I'm assuming, and the reason I'm going to I'm going to make an assumption here, because this has happened to me before. It happens to me too. So right, and I, but mine is wireless. I have a wireless connection because uh, most of them are tethered. I have the only one that's that's wireless. Um, it comes on, and you have to go into the settings and refine the phone and connect it. And, wow. Um, so, um, and my phone is up to date. I assume my car is up to date. So I just figured it's one of those things you got to live with. Uh, that actually might be an issue with the newer phone. Uh, I've got an aftermarket radio in my truck that's about four or five years old now. And I was using, it, it has Apple CarPlay and I was using it with my iPhone 6 that I had and it was flawless all the time. I just recently got the new 12 
and I've noticed that if I accidentally bump the cable just a little bit, it cuts out CarPlay as though I had just unplugged the phone. Now let me let me just jump in here because let me give a, uh, a comment that I think will apply to everybody. Uh, you just heard three people uh, that are all experts, especially Rick, having problems with something that's supposed to be so great, which is Apple CarPlay, different cars. And Apple CarPlay is great. Uh, and uh, speaking from a guy that bridges generations, a lot of generations, and who has got his, fir his feet plant firmly planted in the modern 21st century, and I'm pretty cyber savvy for an old guy, uh, you have to have a temperament that allows you to get along with, uh, with internet technology. Uh, it's so complex, we're really ahead of everything. And uh, when I get in my car, I just have to calm down and realize something's going to happen. When I go home, Alexa's going to have a problem. Uh, my automatic uh, air conditioning thermostat's going to have a problem. All these things. It can be a variety of problems. It can be Comcast. It can be AT&T. It can be Bluetooth. It can be an electrical issue. Uh, it can be uh, somebody uh, unplugged your uh, your uh, modem and uh, didn't plug it in properly. Uh, usually, the simple answer is sometimes the answer that. But you just have to roll the punches. If you're if you're from my generation, I was born in 1940. And you bought a car when things were really basic, and you're buying a brand new 2021 today. Uh, prepare yourself for a crazy wild ride of technology, and relax. Uh, don't let it get you upset, and it's just going to happen. It's going to be you're going to have these problems. I, I think it's it's basically what they call chaos theory. Yeah. These systems have gotten so complex. Yes that there's just so many, one little thing can cause the whole system to go haywire because it just seems like that, that butterfly effect. Yeah. It, one little change, uh, it, it expands exactly. the issues out. And, and, the, and, and the fault lies with the manufacturers who are pushing the technology because when they advertise it and show it to you, they don't show it when it doesn't work. They show it to you when it works perfectly. And when yep. it works perfectly, it is so cool Everybody's got to have it. Then you buy the car, and the set for starts out with a salesman doesn't understand it when he sells it to you, so he doesn't explain the car to you. And even the technicians sometimes don't understand it when you bring it in to get it fixed. Uh, every dealership's probably got one or two guys that really know their stuff, and the others don't know how to fix it. You get the wrong guy on the wrong day, you got a problem. So all I'm saying is, uh, don't feel like the Lone Ranger when you're out there with the technical problems with the Bluetooth and the Wi-Fi and all the other because everybody's going through the same thing. Just have, have patience and... Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a delicate situation, yeah. you know, no matter which way you look at it, but, you know, Earl, as savvy as he is and uh, with so much technology knowledge, it's just amazing. And I feel really sorry for anyone out there that isn't up to date with the technology because it really requires education and re-education. Yep, and to the texter, uh, the first thing I'd do though is make sure your phone has the latest software. Check, see if it's got the absolute latest software update and then double check to make sure, you know, stop at your dealer. Check and see if your radio software is all the way up to date and possibly even try a different cable 
just for just for the fun of it yeah. to see if that makes a difference yeah. the cables that's that Great idea. that solves a lot of problems sometimes yep all right uh one last anonymous feedback and uh we might want to get to the mystery shopping report uh carmax in maplewood minnesota is selling a 2019 toyota camry with two open recalls uh due to the vehicle may stall it's dated january 13th 2020 and october 20th uh, 2020 the car's life started in florida in april 2019 uh and in may 2019 it was registered as a rental in new york it seems odd how it could go from florida to new york to minnesota and still have two open recalls for stalling for over a year I assume I assume recalls are, repeat, are repaired free to the car owner by the manufacturer, and CarMax uh, would not have done that. And uh, th well, number one, you touched on a big, big problem: is that w what percentage of recalls ever get done? Most don't get done, right? I think only uh, uh, I believe 25 percent usually. Yeah. And if you're kind of new to the show, then you're not as familiar with our total exasperation with the fact that this is that that's the fact that recalls are just not repaired. Used car dealers, and I, I'm not picking on, on CarMax, but I'm just saying used car dealers, it's kind of a pain in the butt for them to do that. They get a car and they want to sell it. Um, in some cases, and it might be with the stalling recall, this could be the fuel pump thing, it sounds like, in which case there's not a remedy for a lot of the cars out there, so it might not be possible to have the recall repairs done. You know what the government could do, we talked about this earlier in the show, instead of making the uh, the recall repair on a new car, or, or you know, you know, any car, used car, recall repair has to be done by the manufacturer. Why? Well, because the manufacturer is trained and qualified to do it with the proper machinery. Make that available to anybody. Yeah. CarMax. But build the manufacturer. CarMax said, listen, you're going to have to pass, you're going to have these technicians, you have to buy this equipment, you're going to have to pass the test, and if, once you're qualified to do diagnostics on Hondas, then you can do that, the, the, and they fix them themselves. CarMax doesn't want to have to wait to send their car to a Honda dealer because the Honda dealer puts them on the at the end of the line. Their customers, that Honda dealer's customers, go to the front of the line. Another a competitor, and CarMax is a competitor, goes to the end of the line. If CarMax sends uh, their car, their used car, to a Honda dealer, it'll be there for two yeah. weeks. Time is money. So yeah. the, the recall doesn't get fixed. The federal government should make... Uh, any qualified technician mm -hmm. licensed right. to fix a recall. And it could be a money-making proposition. Exactly. You could make, put market forces on it, and the manufacturer with the recall has exactly. got to reimburse the, the dealer who fixes it. Exactly. There we go. Hey, we're all caught up with text, anonymous feedback, and everything else. Great. Uh, we have a mystery shopping report coming up from Mazda of Palm Beach. Uh, you want to stay tuned and stay right where you are and listen. And also, before we go to the Mystery Shopping Report, I want to remind everyone that uh, in the uh, Palm Beach Weekly, the Palm Beach, Florida Weekly, uh, Earl's column appears, and it's a, it's great. It, it's really very informative, and it's answers to top 10 devious statements made by car salesmen. And uh, if that's not enough, you can uh, read Auto Dealers Think and Act Differently from their manufacturers. And that, too, is a great read. All of that at uh, Earl on Cars, if you haven't picked up the uh, Palm Beach uh, Florida Weekly or the Hometown News. So now we're going to get to the recovering car dealer. And, uh, folks, we'd like you to vote. So stay tuned, listen, and vote. Okay. Palm Beach uh, Mazda, it's uh, changed hands several times. In 2017, Greco Mazda 
on North Lake Boulevard, North Palm Beach, was sold to Don T. Leah, a car dealer from New York who I've never heard of. Interesting phenomenon. We're getting a lot of people that are coming to town and buying up dealerships and uh, new, new people from out of town. And uh, uh, Don T. Leah is one of these. Uh, Am I pronouncing Leah right, or is it Leah? I think it's Leah, and we, we actually, when that happened, um, we actually considered uh, buying that dealership, yes. and uh, we felt the, the asking price a little too steep, and Don T. Leah came down from New York and yeah. paid the full Monty on that. Yeah. Uh, Leah Auto Group, 22 dealerships. He's a big guy. I, you know, normally, I've heard of dealers that have that many dealerships. Uh, he's in Connecticut and New York, Massachusetts. Now he's in North Palm Beach. Uh, Greco Mazda was actually sold to a company called Palm Beach Autoplex LLC, uh, which is owned by uh, Leah, which is, you know, his uh, holding company. Yeah, right. right. He renamed the dealership Mazda Palm Beach. Okay. Isn't that interesting? You're going to, it's always had the same name, and people go in there and they don't realize they've had uh, the different owners. Yeah, I, I want everybody to appreciate the uh, pain in the butt it is to find the owners of the dealership yeah. because of the different little secret companies that they have. Exactly, yeah. Uh, it's just a shame that you don't know who owns a business that you deal with. I would think if I'm a, put my, my consumer's hat on, I would, uh, would want to know yeah. who I was dealing with. Yeah. And, and many car dealers now and are remaining anonymous. And even if there's a family name attached to the dealership, that doesn't mean they own it. Oh, For example, yeah. Arrigo Dodge is not owned by the Arrigos anymore. No, no. <laughs> and uh, the uh, Terry Taylor owns uh, a lot of dealerships in South Florida, and he doesn't put his name on any of them. Yeah. And uh, he's the largest privately held auto group in the country. And uh, so it's always... Uh, an, he's a an mystery an man. Anonymity of ownership I don't like. Me neither. When the Greco's owned this location, we mystery shopped it all the time. Some of our greatest reports, most entertaining reports, came out of Greco Mazda of North Palm Beach. And there was something that uh, we referred to as the famous ghost car right. and that was a Greco Mazda it was a car that they didn't have they kept advertising and it. they kept advertising we it. kept we trying <laughs> to buy it and it was never there and we'd go in and we would and we'd go back in and ask for the same car that they told us was sold and and it went on for months didn't yeah it? and then it appeared at their uh, Delray uh, uh, location yeah the it same move car around, move like, hey. <laughs> it moved around it wasn't there either <laughs> at any rate uh, uh, Leah uh, took over. It's an unusual name. Um, uh, Don Leah uh, took over. We've only uh, investigated once back in 2017, just a few months after the change in ownership. That mission, courtesy of legendary mystery shopper Agent X, put the dealership back on the recommended dealer list. Agent X was still subjected to the old, usual common old school rigmarole, but it wasn't terrible and it was a major improvement over the Greco treatment. At the time, we noticed new management had done away with addendum stickers, and that's a real plus. Maybe being from New York and Connecticut, maybe they're illegal up there. Yeah. I don't know. This week, well, addendum stickers, if you're new to the show, is uh, a counterfeit Monroney label. It's a, it's a sticker that they put alongside of the federally mandated uh, window sticker, which is the manufacturer's suggested retail price. And virtually every dealer in Florida uses that to bump up the MSRP to make more profit from you. This week we found an ad from Mazda Palm Beach for a super low lease rate. I mean, this was super low, $69 a month. 
for a new 2021 CX-5. When I read stuff like this, I, yes, yes. I wonder who believes it. And the funny thing is, people believe it. You have to, re you have to adjust your minds uh, when you hear these things because people do go in and believe it. And uh, God help them. We were prepared to send Agent Lightning in on this ad, but we ultimately decided to change things around. We knew exactly what would happen. And Agent Lightning, of course, is our female chopper. And uh, we knew exactly what would happen if Agent Lightning tried to get the deal in the ad. An enormous amount of cash would be required on a super low mileage lease. Either that or the car would no longer be available, you know, all the games that they're going to play to get out of what they advertise, because uh, you can't believe any dealer advertisement, much less a lease on a new Mazda for $69 a month. Ain't going to happen.com. Okay. Agent Lightning's best reports is when she takes the wheel and does her own thing. So we said, go do your thing. I give her the option to work for the lease or improvise, and she improvised, and that's, that's what we have here. That makes her good. Absolutely. Here's a report, speaking in the first person. I decided to go to a walk-in shop of new 2021 Mazda CX-30. I went online to mazdapalmbeach.com to check out the inventory. It's a good first step. Get an idea of the pricing. The first thing that jumped out at me was their website indicated they had, listen to this, 783 new vehicles in stock. Uh, now, you know, some dealers down here that have three or four dealerships around the area group them together sometimes. Uh, uh, this dealer is from New York and Connecticut. Yeah, I don't know how they did that. I, I, how do you come up with 783? Anyway, they all exaggerate to sound good and uh, just the, the golden rule, don't believe any dealer advertising. That struck me improbable that he would have 783. I drove by that a lot before. There was no way anyone's fitting that many cars in that space. No, I, I just sent a, a screenshot of the Google Maps of the dealership. You can see the layout of the land. I don't know if you can get it on the screen, yeah, but kind of thin. there is no way yeah. <laughs> 783 yeah. cars are sitting there. Yeah. There were uh, Bruce King Chevrolet used to be on that corner many, many yeah. years ago. I don't know who would remember that. Uh, there were 42 CX-30s listed also. Uh, that's a lot of Mazda, a lot for a Mazda dealership that sells maybe 100 cars a month. Uh, that's low volume for a South Florida dealership. 100 cars a month. They also claim that to have 253 CX-5s, Mazda CX-5s in stock, at first I thought maybe they were listing incoming inventory, but there's no way this little dealership has 253 CX-5s on the way in. Just, just, just interjecting, I don't know what, I thought maybe it's a, a pooled Mazda inventory with other dealerships. Um, they don't have any other locations. You can't just, and they have VINs. Yeah. They, these cars have VIN numbers, so I don't know, I haven't figured it out yet. Well, I say they're, ne they're never challenged, and uh, you design the ad, and you and you do whatever you do. Your marketing company, agency, to places the ad wherever they place it. Nobody questions. I remember about 20 years ago, a dealership got in big trouble, a used car dealer, for advertising cars they didn't have on the lot. Yeah. Things like Palm Beach Motor Cars or something like that. Yeah. Well, a specific car that you advertise, you're going to get more trouble than just saying, I got a million cars. Well, they, got, they have vents. Yeah. They, have, they actually have vents and stock numbers. Yeah. Oh, they do, the vent. And it says, in oh. stock. It literally says, in stock. Well, that gives us an assignment. We'll yeah. go out and figure out how they did that. Yeah. We'll check the vents, find out where they are. In any case, I got an idea of pricing. The CX-30s ranged in MSRP from 23000 up to 30000 with most around twenty-five. 
I drove over to the dealership in the early afternoon. I parked, tried to find the entrance to the showroom. It wasn't obvious. I was greeted by a mass salesman as I walked in front of the building. He asked me if I was there to see a newer used vehicle. Yeah, it makes me think, you know, if you'd have read this a, a year and a half ago, being greeted by a mass salesman would be a terrible I'm thing, wouldn't it? Run. <laughs> <laughs> now we say. Just don't argue, just give them all your money. Yeah, exactly, right. yeah. Um, I told him about the CX-30 as we entered the showroom together. He affirmed my choice by saying I'd picked out a very popular new model. We walked over to his desk. He showed me a Moroni label for another CX-30 he said was from another deal he was working. He said they had a CX-34 model in the showroom. Encouraged me to take a look at it while he found the key uh, so that we could take a drive. I poked around the floor model for a few minutes. Salesman came back. A license plate, a key, and a form for me to sign. He asked for my ID so he could see if I was old enough to drive. Uh, well, standard joke he probably uses with all the ladies. Uh, he asked for more information to put on the form, like my phone number, my car insurance, uh, company policy number, etc. Then he asked me to sign. He said he needed all this so he could let me take the car out by himself. That's kind of unprofessional and uh, questionable. Uh, typically, you Salesman wants to sell the car, wants to be with the driver when they've never driven this car before, perhaps. But at any rate, that's what he did. Uh, take it out yourself uh, and uh, told me where to drive. I think he told him, recommended a route. Uh, hung a license plate on. Uh, the car had an MSRP of $30,045. He closed the hatch, started walking toward the showroom. I called out and asked him, He'll tell me his name. He said it was JD, and then he told me the best route. That's right. Uh, like uh, I was familiar with the area, which I was, but how did he know that? JD went inside. I sat at the in the CX-30 for about 10 minutes, trying to figure out how to adjust seat mirrors and other controls. There you are. I took the car out on the lot, drove my own route around North Palm Beach, and returned to the dealership. Yeah, just not good salesmanship. I mean, I'm not saying unethical or illegal or immoral. I'm just saying he's just not a good salesman. Uh, I found JD inside. He asked me how I liked it. I said I really liked it and wanted to see the price. We both stood by his desk as he leaned over and typed things in his computer. Both chairs were covered in paperwork. There was nowhere to sit. <laughs> I sent that picture. If you if you zoom in on the picture later on, you can uh, see the, yeah. where he was. So, yeah, just... Uh, uh, I, so I wandered over to the floor model I looked at earlier, opened the door, sat in the driver's seat. JD found me sitting in the car, asked me how much money I was putting down. I told him $2,000. He said that was great because that way I'd not be financing my taxes and fees. And then he left. A few minutes later, JD returned to the car, leaned in through the passenger window to present the numbers to me. Uh, that's also interesting that He's, he's just doing the, the deal. doing the deal in the car. In yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he said, because, okay. Uh, I was still sitting in the driver's yeah, seat. Yeah, yeah, I was still sitting. Uh, I was sitting in the driver's seat. The top line was market value selling price, but it was the same as the real uh, MSRP, $30,045. He took off $2,000 in total savings before adding on a list of unwanted extras, $269 for Linda Tent. $495 for Resistol, which we don't know what that is, but it's probably some sort of a paint sealant or fabric protection. $189 for all-weather mats, 
$176.45 taxable fees, another word for dealer fees, hidden fees. And then here's one that's a dock fee, which is a dealer fee. It's a hidden fee. And uh, $9.99. Yeah, $9.99. My real price is $30,492, $447 over MSRP. Now, that's not a good price. That's a high price. Any quickly added, the price included add-ons, and that if I didn't want them, he could probably get them taken off. So again, that's being honest, but it's not good salesmanship. The dealer put them on there to have you sell them, and you uh, didn't even try to sell them. You just said you'll take them off, which it's good for the consumer because they're worthless. I give him points for that. I give him points for that, yeah. Uh, but he's been very, very, I would say, arguably, right. the least professional salesperson. And uh, again, that's not, we're not going to fail the dealership. Because our, we rate the dealerships based on their integrity, uh, but uh, just uh, sloppy. Maybe just new on the job. But he said he highly recommended I take the extra protection package because we're so close to the ocean. <laughs> I don't know. Well, said, it protects against <laughs> fish and. <laughs> Crustaceans. <laughs> yeah. I said I was interested and asked him to take them off. I wasn't interested, interested. Please take them off. JD complied using a ballpoint pen, drew lines through the unwanted items. I smiled and said, I need to do better than that. JD looked puzz puzzled and I said, I need a new buyer's order with a new total. He laughed, excused himself. Came back in five minutes with a new worksheet without the add ons, this time including bogus hidden fees. Yeah. My real price was. Twenty-nine two twenty, an $825 discount from MSRP. Well, that's not bad. We're getting somewhere. You know, he asked me what I thought, and I said I had to think about it. I asked him how long he could hold the price. He said a few days. I mean, uh, it wasn't like you got to buy it today or else the price going up. So, you know, he cut me some slack. I asked if I could take the sheet with me. He said, sure. So, again, uh, no, we're snatching the sheet out of her hand. Nobody uh, say, no, you can't have it. So <clears throat> a lot of the nasty stuff, devious stuff, was not employed here. I'd rather have this kind of salesperson exactly. than the other kind. He's, he's not a good salesperson in terms of technique, yeah, I don't but want he's honest. I don't want a good salesperson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it felt like we were done. J.D. wasn't pushing with the sale, nor was he making me speak with the manager. As a matter of fact, I saw very few other employees the, the, the entire time I was there. Uh, J.D. was right, it was pretty dead. So I, uh, I, I might have skipped over that part. I think it kind of understands why they got somebody there that isn't a good salesperson, because they good salespeople don't like to work yeah. in dealerships where nobody comes into my car. Earlier in the report, he said that business had been pretty dead, so, he, pretty thinks, good, yeah. so he thinks he can get her a good deal. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, that's kind of a, str <laughs> a strange way to tell somebody business. <laughs> you have a really hard way to tell somebody <laughs> you love them. I mean, nobody ever comes in here and buys anything from me. And they don't right. like this dealership, and so I really got to give you a good. He reminded me in The Simpsons. There's a sad sack uh, salesperson character they have, and he's always on the verge of making that next big sale. I feel yeah, like yeah. coming, baby. This is. <laughs> anyway, uh, summary: uh, standard treatment, nothing too outrageous. Checked out the True Car and found that Mazda Palm Beach was a designated dealer in the zip we chose. True Car price, including fees and accessories, was twenty nine forty six dollars. $176 less than Agent Lightning's price, which is pretty close to a, a pretty fair price. Mm -hmm. So there we have it. I mean, uh, uh, certainly, 
uh, no outstanding illegal activity or unethical or anything other than just sloppy. Yeah. Uh, but as Stu said, I'll take sloppy rather than dishonest any day. Okay. So well, we got to get some votes. Yeah, we had great uh, uh, grades are coming in right now, and um, they're, they're kind of mixed. Uh, Jonathan and Wellington gives them an F, uh, and Jonathan is a pretty harsh grader, um, but I think he's a purist. You know, he, he doesn't the, the curve thing doesn't um, doesn't move him very much. We have from Andrew on Facebook a B, and that's one of the best ones. And then believe it or not, from Linda. You know, it gives, gives them a C, and not even a big, huge C, just a yeah. just a C. Yeah. And we have a uh, Sue on Facebook gives them a C. We have a C minus, and my my grade is I would give them a C, with the exception of some of the sloppy, like making her sit in the car and wait for how to figure out the stuff. So they get a C minus from me, but overall, it sounds like a, a, a pretty decent experience. Yeah, I uh, Rick, how, how are your scores? I've got Steve with a B minus. I've got uh, Rico with a C, Karen with a C, myself. I'm I'm going to give him a, uh, I think a B plus or a B minus actually. I go to the B minus. Uh, it, you know, was it was sloppy, but it, yeah. he was honest. It it, yeah. it was like yeah. I felt like I could trust the guy. Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, Nancy. Yeah, it definitely was refreshing compared to what we went through last week with the mystery shopping report that uh, brought tears to your eyes. So uh, today, <clears throat> I think that uh, they were a little sloppy, but actually uh, they were good, and I give them a B. Wow, that's the highest grade I, I ever remember from uh, Nancy. And uh, I'm going I'm to give them a B, too. I, I, I just think, like Sue said, yeah, you, you summed it up very well. Uh, if you're not looking for a slick salesperson, you, you ought to go to Austin uh, Palm Beach uh, at least the one they have is definitely not slick, and he's not dishonest. And uh, um, study your product to be sure you know what you want to buy and what you want to pay, and you can probably get a pretty good deal there. Absolutely. There All right. Absolutely. It feels good to have one that's not so um, horrible. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's been we've had a we've had a run the last few weeks, and they've been pretty bad. So this is a good one. Yeah, horrible was last week. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Okay, we ready to wrap it up, or uh, I think that uh, we're gonna we're gonna be here for another hour. How's okay. that sound, guys? Uh, <laughs> all kidding aside, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us here at Earl Stewart on Cars. Another Saturday, another successful show. We love all of our listeners, texters, and uh, everybody who's involved in the Earl Stewart on Cars show. Happy Valentine's Day, and stay safe. We'll see you next week.